was one for each area. Good morning. Let's stand this morning and let's pray you have more energy and sing it out to the Lord in the first service. Oops, sorry. <laughs> I've seen shame, the kind that comes from mistakes, the kind that won't go away. When I turn around, they were right there to remind me. I've seen regret, the kind that messes with your head, the failures and the can't forgets. But standing here now, I'm thinking God is behind me. Cause I've seen nail scarred hands reach out and wipe it all away. Now I see grace, hallelujah, I stand amazed.
it messes me up when I don't get to do the announcements first because I get into the songs and I like it and I'm just sitting there and I forget what I'm supposed to do. All right, we're glad you're here. If you have a celebration guide and you are a guest, this is maybe your first or second, third time, would you please fill out the registration, rip it off and drop it in the offering plate when it comes around a little bit later. Would help if I had my glasses. Um, Inside, we'll see that you'll see the details of the different things that are coming up this week. Uh, I would really encourage you to read that. Uh, one, our monthly, thank you. Our monthly event this week is Joy, our seniors ministry. They're going to have a great potluck, so please read about that. Uh, on the back, focus on the folks. Focus on the family. It's going to be here in just about a month. It's going to be awesome. And so we'd just love to have you be a part of that. Had a lot of folks sign up already for that. Next uh, Sunday, the Lord's Supper uh, will be observed in here during our both services. And um, I've got about 40-something people to baptize. So we'll be going over afterwards to, to baptize some folks. Um, and let's see. Oh, what I wanted to mention to you is this. I know that this whole month, they, they call it, you see it in the paper, and you, they call it Pastor's Appreciation Month. The fact that you're here, that's all the ap appreciation I need, that you're here to worship. So, you know, if you, got, if you have anything in mind, give it to Benevolence or to Missions or maybe our Operation Christmas Child, the boxes that we give for kids, but something along that line, um, because I know you appreciate me, and I really do love and appreciate you guys. Okay. Uh, other thing is we had, last count, we had three teachers who were teachers of the year at their schools. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure did. And we got one of our youths, or youths, Miss Bell, that was in the homecoming court at her school. Good to have you here. Glad you're here. All right, now let's stand and welcome somebody around you to church.
service. We haven't done this song in forever. And I was just thinking of it this week. Because I guess I must have needed Jesus in my mind more than usual. Wonderful song. You're going to love it if you don't already know it. Thank you. 
there was a time where we needed you, it is now. The world needs you now, God. The world needs the church now. And your grace and your mercy have been with us. We pray, God, that you would allow us to appropriate that grace and that mercy and be the change agent in the world around us, Lord, that we might be in glory and honor to your name. God, I pray that you'd be with us offering this morning. Help us to be able to support through that. Be with the pastor this morning as he does his message. Help us to speak to our hearts, Lord. Speak into our lives. We ask these things in Christ's name. Have you ever wandered in the valley? Those moments where you feel lost, wounded, broken. You look around and see an endless journey, surrounded on all sides, cut off from the surface above. The loneliness is palpable. The fear is real. But even here, God remains. For nothing can separate us from his love. Neither height or depth. Here in this chasm, in the midst of the struggle, we can find peace. We can find security. We can find hope for we are not alone. He will never leave us, and he will never forsake us. For he is God, the God of the valley. Well, if you've noticed, I'm still not wearing socks. You know, someone gave me, um, it's the thing that you put the sock on a tube like and then slip your foot in it and pull it up. It doesn't work for me. I tried this morning. I got so mad and angry. You know, the socks were too little to go over the thing, I think, was the problem. But anyway, sockless. But some of you are too. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm going to write a book. And it's going to be called 100 Back Remedies. Because I've had so many back remedies that you've suggested. Everything from drinking something that tastes terrible to exercise, whatever. But uh, I thank you for thinking of me um, this Thursday at 7.30 in the morning. Uh, Lord willing, I'll be having an MRI at Shans. So if you'd pray for that, that, that will show them why this is going bad uh, on and off, on and off, on and off like that. Anyway, uh, what, what else? Oh, of course, I know you're praying for Israel, and hopefully you are praying for Israel. And uh, folks, it's like I told the first service, I said, regardless of all the political jargon that's not true, that land belongs to Israel. God gave it to them. 
And, um, you know, they can make claims and everything they want, but um, that's just the reality. Um, and folks, pray for our little town of Crystal River. You know, I mean, you know, the hurricane, and, and I, I've been here 72 years, and I've never seen a tornado till now. That's the first time I've ever seen a tornado hit this area. So, all right. Well, beginning a new series today, and I think there's going to be at least three sermons. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about something that I know none of you need to get over, and that is that you've ever had a rough time with somebody and you resented what they did or said or thought. Um, but, you know, I actually did, was fighting within myself of, I don't know if I want to even preach this, because these people, are they're, they're good folks, and they don't have resentment about anything in their past, and, but the, the Lord just would not let me go past it. So today I want to talk about how to recover from resentment, and because um, I know there's folks that'll, that'll need it. Uh, after the first service, I kind of gauged that, their comments for what I think you might be thinking. Um, and I didn't feel that good about it. I mean, because um, it's a lot of this uh, I'm adding as I go along and trusting the Lord to let me say the things I should and don't say the things that I shouldn't. Um, and so having said that, we're going to talk today about resentment. That's like how you feel about somebody else. Next Sunday, Lord willing, we're going to talk about regrets, about how you deal with what you've done, how you get over it. And then the third one, right now, unless God changes my mind, is going to be a message called Hope for Hurting Parents. And it is, it, listen, you say, well, my kids are grown up. That's, come, believe me, come. Uh, and even if right now you're raising kids and it's going super, you're going to need this. I'm, I'm going to guarantee you you're going to need what we're going to be talking about on that Sunday. But let's start today with this idea of resentment. And we're going to be looking at the book of Job almost exclusively. Resentment is holding on to a hurt. Resentment is letting a hurt turn into hate. And we're going to be looking at that today about how, how can we handle that. Job was the absolute wealthiest man that was alive at that time. And let me just say this, folks. When, when we read things in the Bible like about Job or about Jonah or about David or anybody, they were real people. They lived in a real time. They lived in an environment, you know, that, that we could describe for you uh, physically. They were real people. They had real needs and real desires and real problems and real sins that they had to deal with. So we're going to be looking at Job, wealthiest man at the time, a very prominent man. Uh, those of you that are my age group and older, we would say he was like the Rockefeller or the J. Paul Getty, you know, or the Howard Hughes. Of, of his day. He was also very, very powerful. And yet in one day, his world collapsed. Not, that's not just a story. It happened. He, he lost everything. He went totally bankrupt. He, all of his children were murdered. He contracted a very deadly, serious disease that at least was incurable. He lost everything. And I know we think we have problems. So I'm saying that and telling you that for this. If there was ever a person who looking at it from the outside in had a right to be bitter, 
it would have been Job. Okay, but we know that he, we're going to see how he handled all of this. Job also had these friends, so-called friends, that came to visit him. They started with great intentions, but then it went downhill from there. Because all they could say to Job was, Job, you're suffering because you're a sinner. And if you would just get right with God, all this will stop. Well, that wasn't the thing at all. In fact, um, and as we read, and I want to encourage you, as you read the book of Job, that these friends say a lot of things that are true about life, okay? But they did not speak the truth about Job. That is why at the very end, God said to, to those three friends, you didn't speak the truth like my servant did. You better have him pray for you. So having said all of that, um, Job chapter six, verse one through three says this. Job said, if my troubles and grief were on a scale, they would weigh more than the sand of the sea. Some of you may feel that way today. Job 9, 18. He has filled my life with what? Bitterness. Job was a bitter man. And for a lot of this, when Job is talking to God, he is a bitter man. But we're going to learn some things today. And you've heard, you've heard the saying that it's wise to learn from experience, right? It's wiser to learn from the experience of somebody else, to watch what they've done that didn't, did or did not work. And that's what I hope you will see with Job today. You don't have time to make all the mistakes for yourself um, in, in your life. So in Job's life, we're going to see three main, this breaks down very nicely into three main sections. There's the cause, the things that can cause us, we'll try to make it practical for us, to be resentful, then there are consequences that if we do, that we need to know, okay, if I choose to be resentful and bitter, here's what can happen. Then Job gives us the cures for being bitter. All right, let's jump right in. Three causes of resentment. And I want to tell you right off the bat, folks, this is not theory to me. I have lived what I'm going to be sharing with you. It's been over 30 years ago, yes. But I've lived through this, dealing with the resentment and these things that we're going to cover today. And I'll guarantee you probably over half the people in here, you have too. You've had things that have hurt you, that, that people have done or said or thought, which we're getting ahead of ourselves. But let's look at it, number one, first of all, that can cause resentment, what people say about us. What people may say about us. And in Job chapter 12, Here's what Job says to these friends. You have no troubles, yet you make fun of me. You hit a man who's about to fall. In other words, you're laughing at me. They're saying things about him. And are you listening to this? Almost the whole book of Job, the middle section, has to do with what these three friends are saying to Job about his life and then Job's response to that. And all of them are trying to tell him and say to him, Job, if you would just get right with God, then all this will go away. So I'm telling you that to say this, please don't tell me, well, my case is different. I've got a right to be bitter. I've got a right to be resentful. Um, and, and I don't need to hear this because God knows my case. You know, that's what I've heard. God knows my case and it's totally different than everybody else. No, it's not. The Bible says that we're all tempted in the same exact way. All right, so let's look at the, the idea of what people say about us. 
Remember that old thing we heard as little kids on the, on the playground? Sticks and stones to break my bones, but what? Yeah, but that's a bunch of garbage. Because there are statements that you will never forget. It may be something that a parent said to you, a brother, a sister, a teacher, kids on the playground, which by the way, kids can be ruthless. I mean, man, if they, if they find a weak spot, they go for the jugular. So, you know, a lot of you may have things still that were said about you then. Um, there are three things in my life, going back to over 30 years ago, there are three things that were said to me, phrases, and I will never forget them. They, they're just in my mind. Because whenever I hear about that same situation with somebody else, what does it do? It triggers my mind what, I, what happened. However, what doesn't happen is I don't get mad. I don't want revenge. Uh, you know, I just, I, I pray and thank God for his deliverance. So what people say about us, will you at least agree can hurt when we hear it? All right. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, thoughtless words wound just as deeply as any sword. That's a pretty strong statement. Thoughtless words. All right. Number two, what people think about me, not, not only what they say, but what even people think about me can hurt me. And I'm, what I'm saying here is about having these nonverbal messages that they send to you. Have you ever looked at somebody's body expression or the look on their face or the shaking of the head or hands on the hips, you know, or whatever it may be? Um, Job said like this in 19.5, you think you're better than I am and regard my troubles as proof of my guilt. See, that's what they were doing this whole time. But they're trying to give Job the impression that he's worthless. That if, you know, Job, you're worthless until you get all this right with God. We all have a basic human need, and that is, folks, we all want to be appreciated, don't we? We want to be appreciated. We want to feel accepted. We want to feel like we're approved. And that starts from the tiniest baby it starts then. They want that acceptance. They grow up wanting it, doing things, even maybe bad things to get your attention. And then when they get to where they can talk, you know, it's to mom or daddy, watch me, mommy, watch me, daddy. You know, that's what they want you to do. They want to be accepted. We never outgrow that. Because when we get older as adults, we drive around saying, watch me. We dress saying, watch me, you know, and, and that hurts when people do not accept us. All right, third thing quickly, what people say, uh, what they think, and then the biggie, what they do to us. What people do to us. Now, has anybody beside me ever had something, somebody do something in your life that caused you to be a little bit resentful or a lot but they did it, and, and you, you, you can remember today. Anybody? All right. Okay. Nearly everybody. Job 19, 19. Job says, those I love the most have turned against me. Notice that. Those I love the most. Folks, that's why it's so painful. Because it's people, listen, it's people that, that we want to love that hurt us. And how do I want to say this? we get hurt worse from the people that we love the most and the people that are closest to us. That is why I would dare say probably hardly any of you have ever been offended uh, uh, by a stranger. You know, you, 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 you rarely resent a stranger. 
And that is why, are you listening to this? That is why resentment is most common in the family. Why? Because they're the ones, they're the ones you love the most. They're the ones that you're closest to that has an impact on your life. And that is why it is so, so hard. And, and, and think about this. this. This makes me think a lot about this, um, Brian, and your dealings with psychiatry and psychology and dealing with people. It, this got me thinking about this. I never thought of it before. Maybe that's why kids have such a hard time with that. Because to them, it's, I'm supposed to love this person and I'm bitter at them that, you know, I resent them doing this, maybe mom or dad or whatever. And can you imagine if, if, if I have problems with that, what a child, what they're dealing with. So understand that. And by, and by the way, the worst kind of hurt is being disloyal, you know, disloyal to somebody, breaking a promise. Okay. All right. So those three things, what are they? What they say, what they and what they, all right. Now, let's look at why that we shouldn't do that. There are three or four. I don't know how many I got here. I think two or three. But number one, resentment is totally unreasonable. It's totally unreasonable. It is illogical. It doesn't make sense to do it. So Job says in chapter five, to worry yourself to death with what? Resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. Senseless. Doesn't make sense. Ecclesiastes 7, 9. It is foolish to harbor a grudge. So why, why, what is he saying here? Because it doesn't work. Folks, when you resent somebody and you're bitter about them, does that change the past? Does it correct the problem? Right there? No. Will it ever restore you staying that way? Will it ever restore a relationship? No, not if you're still going to deal with that. It hurts us. It's unreasonable. One preacher, and I'm trying to still figure out why he said it like this, but I think I'm getting close to understanding. He said, resentment and trying to live your life is like trying to drive down the road only using your rear view mirror to see back there and try to keep it in line up here. And you're always doing that. And I, there, there's some truth to that. Resentment can cause people to do some of the most stupid, foolish things. You know, when I was growing up, uh, this may shock some of you, but uh, until we moved into town, we didn't have a TV. You know, there was not a TV, but there was a radio. You know, and you, listen, you've never really enjoyed a baseball game till you listen to it on a radio. And, there's no, and you hear somebody describing it, you know, whatever. But anyway, I digress. In Psalm 106, 33, talking about Moses, it says, he was so bitter he, he spoke without stopping to think. Have you ever done that? You ever, you ever said something before you took time to think about it? Most of us have. So resentment is unreasonable. Number two, resentment is unhelpful. Unhelpful. Job 18, verse 4. You are only hurting yourself with your anger. You agree with that? You're only hurting yourself. Resentment always, folks, hurts you more than the person that you're stewing against. And I've told you many times that a lot of times they're totally unaware that you're upset. I mean, they would be shocked to learn that you're, they're out there having a good time, totally unaware that you're still remembering stuff from years ago. 
it, it, is, it is unhelpful. Anyway, getting back to the old radio thing, I had a point. There was an old show. Anybody beside me remember Amos and Andy? Now look, that many can't. You're not old enough, some of you. Anyway, one, one program, Amos, Amos had a guy who was always hitting him on the chest. Even talking to him, hit him on the chest. So he, he's, t- he's complaining to Andy one day, and he said, I'm going to stop this right now. And he said, I am going to strap uh, a, a couple of sticks of dynamite with a detonator to my chest. And when he comes up and he punches me in the chest, it's going to blow his hand off. <laughs> that's, that's as illogical, think about it, as resentment. It always hurts you more than the other person. Folks, the price is too high. I'm telling you, it's like having hell in your heart when you've got a bitter heart about somebody and and you're resentful toward them. It's not only unreasonable and unhelpful. Three, it is also unhealthy. It is unhealthy. Job 21, what an interesting two or three verses here. He says, some men stay healthy till the day they die. They die happy and at ease. Others have no happiness at all. They live and die with bitter hearts. Isn't that something? Some people are happy, some are unhappy, some are healthy, some are unhealthy. I get a um, weekly, I'll call it a blog, I guess it is. I get a weekly email from the Mayo Clinic. You know, I've, I've signed up with them years ago and I get all their updates and stuff. And a lot of times it, it'll talk about the, these things called psychosomatic, you know, a physical ailment that comes from a mental, how you're dealing with something mentally. And they have actually I discovered there is a strong relationship between the emotional and the physical. And most of us, we know that. They, they tie together. And one of the things that surprised me was they talked about, it's been about five or six months, maybe a year by now, but they said they were talking about sin and sickness and them having an effect on each other. And here's what, they, here's what they deduced. Resentment is the single most unhealthy emotion you can have. The single most is, is resentment. And here's, here's their list. It can cause fatigue. If you've got an unforgiving heart and you're resenting somebody, it says it can drain you of your energy. It can give you backaches. So, man, I've been asking myself, Lord, am I having, re- is there anybody, no, I, that I'm re- I did ask, is there anybody that I'm not forgiving or I'm not resentful toward? Uh, your, your backache, stomach aches, headaches. You ever heard somebody say, well, that guy's a pain in the, you know, the neck or maybe lower? You've heard that. <laughs> but it can literally make you sick. And in the New International Version of Job 5.2, it just says two words, resentment kills. Resentment kills. Folks, if you want to be healthy, and a lot of you, it's not just what you eat, it's what's eating you that can cause a lot of problems in your life. Um, back in the 80s when I was in Colorado, I would go, um, I did it about three years in a row, I would go to a little town called Dove Creek, Colorado. Capital, uh, Pinto being capital of the world. No, look it up. Little old place out there, Dove Creek, Colorado. 
And there's a little tiny settlement, not even a, you couldn't even consider a, a little town. And it was called Cajon. And we were visiting, Sam Thompson was the pastor of First Baptist Church. And I would go there every year and preach a week-long revival series for them. And um, Sam was said, Lord, I want you to go with me to make a visit. This was on a Saturday before we started church the next day. And he said, but I want to warn you, this could be rough. He said, this guy is bitter. This guy is angry. And I'm just hoping that maybe a fresh face, maybe we can make some headway. So we went in, very cordial, rancher, set us down. You know, we talked a while. And then he started about, he was, he was so mad. He was resentful. He had had an accident. He was resentful for the person that caused it. He was resentful to the doctors that he thought wouldn't cure it. He was resentful to the insurance company that he said wasn't paying off. And he was resentful toward the church because he said that the, the people weren't visiting him. We talked a little while. And I don't know why, but we just let it be very quiet. I didn't say anything. Sam didn't say anything. We were just very quiet. And finally, I just felt led of the Lord. I just said, you know, call his name. I said, you've got all this bitterness inside of you. And I said, you know, God, God may be wanting to heal you. But until you get rid of that anger, it, it may not happen. And then we just was quiet. Seemed like minutes, but it was probably only a minute or two. And he just broke and started just bawling. And all that anger, it, it, it was like you could see anger coming out, but broken, just absolutely breaking him. And we had a good long talk with him, prayed with him. He asked Christ into his heart. We left the next day, Sunday, came to church. Came forward during the, only, the church only had about 100, 120 people in it. He came forward and you say, well, that's not so amazing. Yeah, it is. Because for six months, he'd been in a wheelchair and he got out of the wheelchair and walked to the front to receive Christ as his savior. Folks, resentment can ruin you. It, it can make you so bitter. So what do we need to do? All right, if you're praying for healing, maybe there's somebody you ought to forgive first, I don't know. But let's look at these three things. One, reveal your hurt. Admit it, tell it to God. Tell God exactly how you feel. I'm going to read to you some excerpts from Job. Listen to these words. Job 7:11. I can't be quiet. I'm angry and bitter. I have to speak. Chapter 10, verse 1. Listen to my bitter complaint. Don't condemn me, God. Why do you keep me under guard? You think I'm a sea monster? He's talking to the Lord here. I lie down. I try to rest. Look for relief from my pain. But you terrify me with dreams. You send me nightmares. I'd rather be strangled than live in this miserable body. That's being pretty honest. Verse 16, I give up. I'm tired of living. Leave me alone. My life makes no sense. Why is man so important to you? Why do you pay attention to what he does? You inspect him every morning and test him every minute. Won't you look away long enough for me to just swallow my spit? That guy's uptight. Are you harmed by my sin? Now, if you were God, how would you respond to that? Most of you would say, I'd zap him. You know, I mean, but think about this. God, 
God even sat there in silence. And let me tell you why. Because he understood Job. He loved Job and he understood Job. He, he knew that he was hurt. And, and I'm just saying, God's not going to be surprised when you unload and say, God, this just absolutely stinks. And I don't like having to go through this. You're not going to surprise him. But understand this. Do your complaining to God because he can handle it. And he'll let you get it off your chest. All right, quick, quick three things. When it comes to a hurt feeling, you got one of three alternatives. Uh, let's go over this pretty quick. One, repress it. means you just stuff it down. You don't talk about it. You, you think if I don't deal with it, it'll go away. It won't. Number two, you can express it. You can, um, you can say, all right, I'm going to get even. They don't know about it, but I'm going to find a way. I'm going to get revenge. Or you can confess it. And, of course, that's the one we're going toward. We admit it like Job did, like David did in all the Psalms. James 5, 16 says, confess your faults to one another, whereby you may be healed. Job 6, chapter 14, a despairing man should have the devotion of his friends even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. You know what that means, folks? And I said this months ago in a sermon. We all need somebody that we can go to. You all need at least one good man or a woman, preferably a woman to a woman and a man to a man. You need to find that person that, that will love you and accept you unconditionally. No matter if you tell them how bitter you are and how mad you are, they're still going to love you. And they're going to be there for you. At least one of those. You know, when I read that verse, I think what they're basically saying is, you tell a friend, man, I don't know. You know, I, I believe in God, but my faith is so low right now. And that friend can say, that's okay. I'll have faith for you. I'll be there with you. Some people keep it. I keep a journal. Um, I have it on the computer, but also have it in the margins of, of all, my, all my Bibles, things that God has said or not said. And folks, one of the things that I've learned, there is no closure to a problem until I disclose it to God and let him have it. All right, I want to move quickly. Number two, that was the first one, reveal it. Number two, release your offender. We're getting harder now. Getting harder to do, release your offender. You will never stop hurting. Are y'all listening to this? You will never stop hurting until you learn to forgive. Till you learn to forgive. And Job did this. Listen to this. These are great words. Job 42.10. After Job prayed for his three friends, the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. When did Job's misery end? When he prayed for them. Not when he got revenge. Not when he got even. It says when he prayed for them. He released them. He let them go. God had instructed him to do that. Now, are you listening to this? It's going to be hard for some of you to hear this. How can you know when you've really released that person that's hurt you so bad? How can you know that you've really released them? I'm going to tell you right from Jesus. You can wish them well. Pray for them. Pray even for their success. And you're okay being around them. Now, follow me on this. Uh, here it is, Luke 6, 27. Jesus said, but I tell you who hear me. What's the word? 
Love who? Your friends. Love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those that mistreat you. Love. Do good. Bless. Pray. That's being assertive, folks. You say, Pastor, you just don't know. In my life, what happened to me, they, they don't deserve to be forgiven. No, you don't either. And so we read in Romans 12, 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Verse 19, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then number three, you refocus. Reveal it, you know, get rid of it, and then refocus. This is where a lot of us fail. You know, we, we want to clean things up, but we have a hard time with it because we don't focus on the right thing. Here's what um, Job said. Put your heart right, reach out to God, then face the world again firm and courageous, then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are passed and remembered no more. As long as you focus, are you listening, to the person who's hurt you, they control your life. You have to refocus. Because folks, there, there's, a, there's a principle that I believe is true. Whatever you try to resist, persist. So I keep saying, I'm going to quit. I, I'm going to lose this weight. Uh, I'm going to lose it. What do I keep doing? Looking at the weight. I need to focus on something else. You know, you cannot resist a feeling. They come and they go. You've got to replace it. And the Bible's very plain about that. Then the Lord blessed the last part of Job's life more than he had blessed the first. Amen. Let's pray. One last thing today to ask you to remember. One more. The lesson of Job's life is this. It doesn't matter who hurt you. It doesn't matter how long they've hurt you or how deeply they've hurt you. God can make the rest of your life the best of your life. If you will forgive and let go of resentment and release the offender and let him go free. Father, we all have hurtful memories. Maybe something somebody said or did years and years ago. And it keeps coming, raising its ugly head. Help us to make peace with our past and the people in the past that have hurt us. And maybe you would say something like, Lord Jesus, I don't understand it, but I want my heart to be right. Lord, I want to learn to forgive. Replace my pain with your peace and my hurt with your healing, my bitterness with your love. Lord, help me to choose to forgive them and face the world again, focusing on you. Amen. Let's sing just one, let's stand together. We'll sing one chorus and we'll be dismissed.
That's a statement that every one of us in here can make. If ever we needed you, it's now. And we know that you are right there to help us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Have a great Sunday.